Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 41 of the In the 11 podcast hosted by myself, Brendan Griffiths. I am so happy to be back on the microphone consistently again, posting episodes, producing episodes, and providing you guys with some great stories and some great interviews here. Today is no different. We have Jacob Bushway on the podcast. He has a vast experience in the football world from playing college soccer at one of the powerhouse NCAA Division I universities in the United States at Indiana to making his way into the USL, finding himself in Finland. There's stories of contracts and trials and promotions and captaining teams, and, and it's one that you really are not going to want to miss. So I'm excited to, to show you guys the rest of this episode quickly before I turn you over to that. Firstly, if you haven't gotten your Mystery Sport jersey yet, I would tell you to head over to mysterysport.com where you can use the code INDY11 at checkout. Mystery Sport has great jerseys, bundle boxes, and now I just recently saw they're offering scarves. So if you want to head over to Mystery Sport, again, use code INDY11 to get your latest gear. Secondly, I would greatly appreciate if you could click that link down below for the podcast's new Patreon page to become a patron of the podcast. It really is such a big thing that could help the podcast grow, help us continue to produce the episodes that we do, hopefully continue to have lots of great cool guests on and just overall provide greater content to you as the listener and this community that we're building here over at Indy 11. Becoming a patron is something that you guys can do to, to really help me and help this podcast grow a little bit. So if you appreciate the content, if you appreciate the podcast and you can afford to do something like that, I would greatly, greatly appreciate if you could do that. Like I said, it's something that helps the podcast grow a little bit and allows me to do even more in terms of giving back to this community. So if you can, would love if you could do that, head over to Patreon and become a patron of the Indy 11 podcast. Now, without further ado, let me shoot John over to my chat with Jacob. Right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Indy 11 podcast. Super excited today to have Jacob Pushway in the 11 with us. Jacob, thanks so much for joining. Um, a player who played for the Indiana Hoosiers, for played some college soccer over here in the States, and now finds his way not only playing professionally in Finland, but also the captain of his club. Did you ever expect, you know, growing up, I'm sure you wanted to be a pro, and especially as you went into college and then had your experiences overseas, did you ever imagine captaining a club in a foreign country i guess it was never it was never something i like envisioned or planned on necessarily but you know i've been in i've been in leadership roles you know since i was even like youth stuff like club mm -hmm. and all of those things and all the way through high school and college so i guess it wasn't i would never put it out of the picture you know one of the things whenever i go into a team that's I, I like the leadership positions and I like the, you know, the, the things that come with being a captain, not just the, um, I guess the authority that people would see with it. Yep. That's not the things that interest me the most about it, but 
um, you know, being respected by your peers and all of those. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the reason I ask is I'm sure it's, you know, different in a country like Finland as where a lot of people speak English, but, you know, coming in and not knowing the language and then being able to establish yourself as a, not only a, a key figure in the team, but also someone that can be a leader and, you know, can communicate with other teams, communicate with referees, things of that nature. Did you ever have any struggles with that in the early stages? No, not really. Cause I mean, like you said, everyone speaks English, so it's, it's a completely okay. different ball game than in America where for the most part, people only speak English. So if someone were to come over to an American team and they didn't speak English, I would, they essentially don't have a shot at being captain. There'd be yeah. no way. But on, so I was actually not only at Hakka, but the team I was at before um, at AFE, I was also the captain there, which was also crazy. So now it's been, it's been two teams now in Finland that I have been um, in, in both places. There wasn't an issue because, you know, the players speak English, the referees all speak English. So um, maybe there's sometimes where there can be a little bit of an issue with referees whenever I'm yelling at them in English. Yeah. <laughs> they get, you know, it's a second language. So, um, but I think for the most part, I mean, it's been pretty smooth on that. Gotcha. Well, let's, uh, let's paint the picture, I guess, a little bit for the listeners. As I mentioned, you started your career in college career in Indiana, right? What kind mm -hmm. of led you to choosing going to Indiana? Did you always know you wanted to play Division One? You, were you thinking about the professional ranks prior to going to college? What was uh, kind of your thought process going into those 17, 18, 19-year-old years? Yeah, well, you know, I'm from, I'm from Champaign, Illinois, so okay. that's where the University of Illinois is. It's about two hours south of Chicago, so, um, you know, if you were to look at it, there, um, I'm the only players ever played professionally from Champaign or even around it, really. Um, so it's not exactly a hotbed of soccer, but I was pretty, I was pretty lucky. I was, I was fortunate to have good players around me when I was young and I had a good coach and all these things. Um, so then when I was 13 or 14, I actually started driving, um, two and a half hours to practice. I would play for the Chicago magic. Okay. So yeah. And we were, we were a good team and we were, um, you know, my sophomore year was the first year of Academy. Like that was the first year Academy started. Mm -hmm. So my sophomore junior years, we, we got fifth and third at nationals and I was a key figure on the team. So, um, you know, I, we were a good team. There's good history at Chicago magic. And one of the programs that the club had had good history with, was with Indiana. And, you know, when you're from the Midwest, like Indiana is, the program yeah and it's almost like soccer, yeah 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 and I, I remember in the recruiting process at the beginning there was a lot of a lot of schools that were coming at me trying to get me to commit early um and I remember my brother kept telling me to be like no hold off hold off some team will come and then um one weekend I played well and Indiana was there and then the coaches loved me and um brought me on a visit and then there was an offer made and it was basically like you know, when I was talking to my brother, he just goes, it's Indiana. You don't say no. Yeah. And like that, that was like legitimately <laughs> the mindset. So um, I actually, I graduated a semester early to go to Indiana. So okay. yeah, so I graduated in the, like in December of my senior year. So I went to Indiana um, 
as a 17 year old um, semester early, which which really helped with like, yeah, I got ahead in school, but then also playing time, it helps out. But, you know, in terms of going professional, it's it's kind of crazy when you look at how the landscape in soccer is now in America, yeah. because you see all of these, you see all of these kids that are, you know, they're 16, 17, 18 signing MLS deals. When I, when I came out, so when I was 18, so like my freshman year, um, we had two players that turned professional. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing that mm-hmm. you could necessarily even do because I think at that time there were two players ever that had signed a homegrown contract in MLS. So those contracts weren't going out. The, the USL wasn't like it is now. Yep. The NASL wasn't established with money and all those things. So, um, at those times, like you, you went to college, like that's what you did. Yeah. Um, I, I not, I didn't, I think there was Jack, Jack McInerney, if you might recognize the name, he's in MLS for a long time. Yep. And then there was a player, Stefan Jerome, who went and played over in Croatia for like a couple of years and then had retired. But besides that, everybody, everybody went to college. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting that you just hit on that point of how the landscape has changed and it's kind of happened really quickly as well. You know, over the span of the last 20 years, it's just soccer is completely different now in the States. You know, it seems as if a new professional club is popping up every year now in this country. And again, you just hear like there's an influx of academy players that are signing homegrown contracts, academy players that already have European interests. Like I think just a week or two ago, there was an interview with the union coach, Jim Curtin, and he said that there was like a 10 year old in their academy that uh, I think it was Bayern Munich and someone else are already have their eyes on. And that's just that that's not the way that the, the United States soccer system was years ago. And you brought up an interesting point a little earlier that you had to drive two and a half hours when you were, you know, to find a quality team, to find somewhere where you could really push yourself. And I think it speaks to, again, that idea of maybe that high level soccer was a little bit fewer and farther between when we were coming up through the ranks, but also maybe could you speak to kind of what was your mindset in deciding to do something like that? Was it like you just knew I need to push myself outside of what I have around me right now? Or was there an opportunity presented to you or? Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm, <clears throat> you know, it's uh, some 13 and all of those things. When I, when, I mean, it was since I was seven, eight, I was always a really good player, essentially, especially in my town. Um, and I had been doing, this will be a throwback ODP. Yeah. If you, if you <laughs> remember, yeah, yeah, they don't do it anymore, but, um, and I had been doing ODP and been on the state teams and regional teams and those things, uh, when I was younger and I was always, I was always killing it at the state level. So, um, and then, you know, my, my team in Champagne was pretty good. So we would play against uh some of the better clubs and i remember we we'd play against chicago magic who was mm-hmm. you know at that time yeah i don't think they they don't exist anymore actually they're now like fc united or something in the academy but at the time like when when i first went there they won state cup from u12 to u18 like it was yeah they were the power they house. were they're killers so i remember we we played them and i always play i played really well against them and all those things and they asked me to guest play with them in a tournament um so and at that time there wasn't a plan to necessarily go play with them um so i guess play i play well 
but then I see like the, the level difference and I was like, oh. So then they were like, yeah, we want you to come and like come for the tryout. And again, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, it's a two hour, two and a half hour for practice. So my parents, you know, they were going to have to do all the driving, all those things. So it's a huge commitment from my, from not just me, but from my entire family. So um, we were like, let's just go up to the tryout and we'll talk to the coaches and kind of see some things. And then I went to the tryout and, you know, um, the, we were sitting there. I, I remember sitting there after the practice and like the coaches talking to the players and the parents and then talking. Then I remember my mom like leaning over to me, like, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I get yes. And then just bang from that, from that day, then it was just, you know, my parents were all in on it and my family was all in. So um, then from, from when I was in eighth grade all the way through high school, it was, you know, the, the club was really good with me that they didn't expect me at every training. So I would go on Thursdays typically. So it'd be, you know, after school, my dad would come pick me up, drive me to practice. I would practice, get in the car, get back home at like 11 or midnight or something like that. And then games on the weekends. And then I would usually train two other times um, with my local club, like on an older team or something like that. So, but yeah, that was, that was it for about four years. And it was all about just knowing that that's what was going to make me progress. Yeah. Cause I'm sure it was tough too, when all of the guys that you grew up with playing, all your friends are still playing a bit more locally and, you know, you have to make that sacrifice to drive for the higher level training. And, you know, you kind of see your friends all, they're still all playing near your hometown and they're still all playing together. So I can't imagine that that was an easy decision, especially at that young of an age. Yeah. I, it's kind of strange where it's like, yeah, it was, maybe it's not necessarily the easiest thing where I was, I was giving up some of my social time and um, yeah, playing with some of the guys I grew up playing with, but it was still, you know, it's, it's even like where I was talking about, we're going to college early, you know, that's given up a crazy amount of social time and yeah. all those things, but neither of those decisions were necessarily that difficult for me. Like I wasn't like staying up being like, oh, I'm going to miss all these things. For some reason, it was just always like, no, this is, this is what I need to do. Yeah. This is what's going to make me keep going. And I don't have a, I don't have an explanation to why, why it was so easy for me, but these like going up and playing in Chicago was an easy decision for me. Um, go, going to Indiana early was an easy decision for me. Coming over to Europe was a easy decision for me. You know, I, I can't explain it, but it's always just been the, I could see it pretty clearly. No, I mean, I think it makes sense. I think it speaks to your passion for the game, your ability, like, and your motivation to continue to want to get better and put yourself into situations where you feel like that's where you're going to do, you know, going to Indiana early, that was a situation where you knew that as a player, as a person that was going to make you grow the most. So it was almost like a no brainer in that way. It, it definitely definitely makes sense. And it speaks to that kind of professional athlete mentality. You know, what can you do to make yourself a little bit better, to make yourself better than the competition, to make yourself better than, than the people around you. So, so now we're, we're at Indiana a little bit early. What, how would you describe your college soccer career? I guess from a, you know, personal standpoint, from a team standpoint, overall, what do you, what do you reflect back on your time at Indiana? 
you know, Indy, I mean, it's, it was such a sick experience, like from uh, not just playing, but just like the, the social life. And I had great teammates, like some of my best friends now are all from, from playing. Like we're all very close still. So, um, you know, I played, I wasn't a starter my freshman year at the very beginning, but by maybe mid season, I was, I was pretty locked in as a starter from a freshman year. Um, so, you know, that makes the, that makes the playing experience a lot better when you're, when you're playing Yeah, and you're, you know, we're, we're doing well. Like my freshman year, we won the big 10. Um, sophomore year was the, we didn't win. We didn't win any titles. Uh, we were close. And then, you know, junior year, we won the national championship, which was surreal. I can't believe <laughs> Which was crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, and then senior year was like one of the wildest, like terrible experiences that I've had, like as a wow. player and I didn't handle it well, where it was, um, so, you know, junior year, we had won the national championship mm-hmm. and I was, so if you were to look at our starting lineup from when we won the national championship, Going into senior year, we were returning nine starters, and then we were adding an All-American transfer, and then we were adding um, Tommy Thompson, who plays for San Jose, Yep, who's just a baller. Yeah. We added him and his brother, Tanner, who is a three-time All-American. Like, eventually, he'll be a three-time All-American. So our team was crazy, crazy, crazy loaded, and we were preseason number one. And it was just like the, when you look back at it, it was kind of bad luck, but also like bad preparation and bad attitude from the team kind of thing. And we just kind of shit the bed. Um, and we had, we had a losing record for the very, very majority of the season. And we ended up having to, cause at Indiana, I think they've—I forget what the the record's like twenty, thirty some years where they made the NCAA tournament or forty. It's something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had we had to win the Big Ten tournament to make it in. And I'll say I'll say this for bad as the year it was, like I think nine out of ten teams would crumble and not get the job done. But you know, we won the Big Ten tournament and we got into wow. the NCAA tournament. So that was a, that was incredible from from us, even after a really tough year where. Um, I think the issue was that the majority of us had never experienced losing. Like, like I said, all growing up, my team was good. My club was always winning all the time. My high school, I was winning all the time. Then I go to Indiana and we're winning all the time. And then, you know, my senior year, now all of a sudden I'm faced with some adversity of losing that I'd never experienced before. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of my teammates were very similar because we were coming from, from some very similar backgrounds. Um, so we didn't handle it well and it kind of snowballed and then, you know, you start panicking and then the losses and things happen. And yeah, some of the losses were incredibly unlucky, but kind of how it was and we weren't helping ourselves, but you know, you got to, you got to give credit and we got the job done. We still made the NCAA tournament and all of that. And, that's kind of, that's kind of how the college ended, but you know, it's, it's one of those, it's, I think it was a great learning experience for me and 
it's helped, it's helped me tremendously for what I've been dealing with professionally. Yeah, I feel as if it's definitely in some of my experience at college, obviously, I didn't play at the same level as you, but also coaching some college as well. I think it sometimes can be a culture shock for players when they come in, because as you said, you've grown up and you've always been a part of winning teams and you've always been the best player on your teams. And then, you know, as you come into Indiana, that's who you're also surrounded with. It's all maybe it's, you know, predominantly the best players in the Midwest, but then you're playing against okay, all the best players on the West Coast, all the best players on the East Coast, everyone that's now on the field has been a winner for their whole life. And so that like, then it comes adversity starts to play. And how are you going to react when you do start to lose? If you've been accustomed to winning your whole life, what's going to happen when you go down a goal or when you are on a two game losing streak? So it's interesting that it, that senior year was, you know, that a lot of people face that their freshman year when they first get to campus you actually kind of did it in reverse in the senior year when mm-hmm. things started to go sideways. Yeah, it was, it was, it's, 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 it is really interesting. And, you know, I didn't see it coming. I mean, but at the same time, when I look back at some of my habits that were leading into it, you know, we win the national championship and I'm a junior. Then that entire semester, me and all my best friends on the team are the oldest people on the team. And we're getting introduced at, you know, the halftime of Colts games and we're getting all this publicity and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was an incredible year. Like it was so much fun. Like that semester, are you kidding me? That spring semester, good Lord. But, you know, you lose that. Unfortunately, like you lose some of that, like the, the hunger, like that. Yeah. The tenacity to like go do it again. Yeah. Which is, which is so stupid when you look like, when like it's, it should be like, it should have a hundred percent be like, yeah, we're just going to keep grinding and we're going to repeat, but it's just, you know, I was young and dumb, <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. I was 20, I was 20. 20 yeah, but you, so. I mean, you even look at in the professional ranks and in, in soccer and in other sports as well. It's why it's such a hard thing to repeat, like, and why uh, teams and clubs that are able to repeat as champions, it's always heralded as such this amazing feat because it's just natural. As you win, you almost take your foot off the gas a little bit while everyone else mm-hmm. is reeling from that loss, you know, whether it was they came in second or, or what have you, they're pushing that much harder to come and chase you. And if you take your foot off the gas for a little bit, that's where people start to catch you. Because like you said, at that level that you were playing at, the teams that you're playing, everyone is good. Everyone is super high quality. So if they have a little bit extra, that might be the difference. Oh, 100%. And that's the, that's the thing that I figured out and it can go, it goes, it goes both ways. You can catch and you can get caught in this game really quick. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's so many good players. And the thing is like, there's so many different ways to be good at this game that, you know, it's not all about athleticism. It's not all about technical skills, not all about whatever. So there's such a big pool of players that can catch you. So if you, if you let off for just a little bit, there's, Man, especially the professional level, man, because you're dealing with worldwide, you can get caught quick. But the thing is, if you're working, if you're doing more, you can catch the guns quick too. So it's just, it goes both ways. Absolutely. Do you feel like that experience your senior year, maybe looking back, are you a little bit grateful for it because it prepped you for going into the professional ranks and kind of starting your pro career? Hell yeah. Like the, so, you know, there was, my senior year, which was really tough, but then like the even tougher year was what follows it because, you know, um, 
so coming out, you know, I'd been a four-year starter. I was the captain at IU. Um, I was all Big Ten twice, you know, and then I get invited to the MLS Combine. So it's it's basically like the whole time it's been lining up that it was um, I'll go to the MLS was always was always my thoughts. Yep. Um, and you know I had always thought like if it didn't work if for whatever reason if MLS didn't work out I could always NASL or maybe go over to Scandinavia or something like that was always a thought process. Um, so I go to the combine. Um, I play out of position, but I play fine. You know, and my my agent is telling me like, yeah, you'll probably be a first round or a second round pick, and then you know if if it doesn't play out correctly, then you'll just uh, you'll be third, fourth, third, third or fourth round pick, and then you'll go to an MLS team, and you just have to make the team because at the end of the day, a, getting drafted is just an invite to a tryout. Yeah, can you maybe um, like for somebody who isn't as familiar with the draft process. And obviously it looks much different now than it did like when you were coming out, but could you maybe speak to that for somebody who doesn't, you know, is used to watching the NBA draft or something. Can you speak to like what the MLS draft really is? Cause I think sometimes people do get a little bit of a misconstrued idea of what the MLS draft really is. Yeah. So the MLS draft you'll have typically it's like eight, they call them, I think they still call them generation Adidas contracts. Mm-hmm. which are for which were for um players that were not seniors and then um MLS would offer them a contract so if you're junior sophomore freshman or in high school um and then those players have contracts and if you get drafted you're on the team um and then they they'll sign maybe 10 would be my guess around there to uh senior deals so then you already have a contract with MLS a team drafts you, you're on the roster. Okay. But then for the rest, for the, for the rest, you um, don't have a contract. So if you get drafted, you, you just get, you're going on trial mm-hmm. with the team basically. So like for, for example, my, my teammate in at Indiana, Chris Estridge, he was the first pick in the second round. So like a really high pick and he was a left back. I think it was to real Salt Lake. They also drafted a left back in the fourth round. They took the left back that got drafted in the fourth round and then they cut my teammate. Wow. So like, yeah. So it's getting drafted. Isn't making the team. It's just getting drafted. Now, now it's a little bit different. It's a little bit safer because there's so many MLS two teams. Yep. Or they can send you to a USL team. Back then, there was no, I don't think there were any MLS2 teams. There might have been one or two, but for the, for the most part, there was no. So it was like you needed to make the MLS team. Like there was, that's how it was. Mm-hmm. So what was your draft experience like? Obviously, you told us about the combine, but then how did it play out for you on, on draft time? Yeah, so then um, I remember for the, for the first and second rounds, I go back to, go back to Indiana and I'm like dressed all nice and I'm with like some of my teammates, all these things, first and second round go by name doesn't get called. So now I already feel like a jackass. So um, then it was like, okay, well, whatever. So then the, the draft was on Friday or Saturday. And then the third and fourth rounds would be on 
Tuesday or Monday. Oh, so you got to wait like, (laughs) oh, that's awful. Yeah. So hang out in my, in Bloomington where Indiana is for the weekend. And then I remember it was like third and fourth round. I was like, I'm just going to go home for it. So I went home and, you know, you followed on your computer. This one's on TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there and it keeps going down, keeps going down. My name's not there. My name's not there. My name's not there. My name's not there. And I'm sitting in my basement by myself. And that, like my parents weren't home. Brother wasn't living there. My sister wasn't home. And then all of a sudden, like the draft came and went, I didn't get picked. And I'm just sitting in my basement by myself, just like, what the hell just happened, basically. Yeah. Um, so then I get on the phone with my agent and he was like, yeah, like this isn't ideal, obviously, but we'll try to get you in. Um, get, we can, we can still get you into an MLS team to, on, uh, on trial. It'd be, you know, they, they'll, they'll bring in players who don't get drafted. And all those yeah. Players. And then if not, we'll get you over to a USL team and all those things. You know, and I'm still like freaking out. I immediately like just start, um, you know, then, then it starts like, I need to get going, um, get, be ready for my shot. So then the problem is I, the agent that I had is, or yeah, that I had was pretty high level. He had a lot of guys that were on some big money. Mm-hmm. So this, this, this may be, this may be true. This may not be true, but in my opinion, he kind of, fucked me off a little bit because I wasn't going to make him very much money. Yeah. So then, you know, he wasn't returning phone calls. He wasn't replying to emails and I couldn't even get a tryout in any USL team or any NASL team or anything. Anyway. So I'm back in, I'm back in Bloomington because they were going to let me train. um, But I didn't have a place to stay. So I'm sleeping on all of my friends' couches. Mm-hmm. I'm sleeping on my car. I I have no money. I'm like eating Chipotle for both for both lunch and dinner because it yep. only costs like six fifty. Um, you know, and I, and I was in such a bad spot, man. I was. I remember I was. I'd be training with the team, but you know, I'm I'm pretty fired when I play, anyways. But then I was all, and you know, I'm really mad about the situation i was picking fights with players and that i wasn't even on the team yeah i wasn't even on the team and i'm like fighting with guys and you know um then it kind of hits like may or june and then all of a sudden it's like i don't have a team like season started i'm screwed um so then it was all about like what the, what am i gonna do now man like uh am i gonna start coaching am i gonna um keep trying to play what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then it was just like, I'm not going to, I can't go out like this. Like, there's no way. There's no way. I, I was like, all I need is a shot, man. All like, as soon as the team takes me, it'll always, I'll always be like, the whole thing is going to be that every team that passed on me is going to regret it. So mm-hmm. I just started, I just started training so hard on some of the tech technical things that I was, that I really lacked. Um, and I was just playing by myself. You know, I didn't have a team to play for or anything. And I was just kicking balls against a wall for hours and hours and just doing everything on my own. And then it was, 
you know, running and doing just crazy cardio. And then it was like St. Louis FC was going to be a new team in the USL. Mm-hmm. And they told me it was like in August. They told me, they're like, yeah, we'll bring you in. Or it was in July. Yeah. In July, they're like, yeah, we'll bring you in on trial in October. It's like, a, it'll be a big one. There'll be like 50 people. So I'm like, okay. So then I found a club in Indianapolis who would let me coach for him. I did coaching to make some money so that I could eat. Um, and then it was just all eyes were on October. Were you still so living then it was, like at near Indiana or you, did you go back home to live yeah. at home for a bit? Okay. No, I was still like, just, <laughs> I was crashing on couches, man. Yeah. I was crashing on couches and I was sleeping out of my car and I was, yeah, it was ridiculous. It was I ridiculous. Think, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think every player can resonate with a bunch of things that you mentioned in there. One of which being, you know, I've done the same thing, like sleeping on futon before, like you're, you're really looking at that bank account, figuring out how am I going to make this work? But also that idea of like when you're training on your own, especially when you don't have a team, maybe it's, you know, in an off season, you're not sure what the next team is going to be, or, you know, your free agent, whatever. That's such a, at least for me, I've found it's been a difficult thing to stay hyper-motivated to be training, hyper-disciplined in training when you don't know, when there's that uncertainty of, you know, is there going to be a team? When is there going to be a team? How did you, I mean, obviously you knew, okay, I just need an opportunity and I'm not going to go out like this. But in in that day-to-day when you're waiting, you know, you're waiting for that call from St. Louis and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get the call or when the call is going to come. How, what would you say to, you know, another athlete who is going through that type of period? I don't know. It's, it's really difficult. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to put myself back in, you know, it's, it's pretty difficult now. It's been eight years to really put myself back in those shoes. But if I'm looking back at it, man, it was just like, I've, I've always done pretty well when, when things go bad for me, like I've always done pretty good at just like, that's like the, the spark, like the igniter that like gets me really going. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been like that since I was young. So then when, when this happened, it was just like, I was so laser focused on this and like, I, you know, and it wasn't easy by any means. Like it was, it was so sad. Like there were some tough, tough, tough nights there where, you know, I'm sitting on my friend's couch at night crying because I can't understand what the hell is going on. Like I, I could not wrap my head around what was happening. Yeah. Um, when I, when I, when I look back at it, I completely, I can kind of understand it and I'm happy it happened because I don't think as a person or as a player, I was ready to go into professional ranks at that point, but then going, going through this, as hell like then that's what that's what got me going that's what got that's that's what made me ready for it um because the thing is at indiana like your your facilities are better than like at the time a lot most mls places Mm -hmm. so um and then when i go to eventually go to st louis or like when i come over to finland like the facilities don't even come close to it and the way you're treated doesn't even come close. Like it's not even 
in the ballpark. And I think if I would have gone from Indiana to these things, I would have almost been like, uh, like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. But now that then, then when I didn't have this year to play, I would, man, I would have played on a, on a gravel field. Like I, I would have done anything for any team. Like, so then when I finally got the opportunity, I was, I was so grateful and I didn't care about anything with the money and it was just an opportunity to play again. So, um, but sorry, I didn't even answer your question. <laughs> no, but, no, uh, that, that definitely, that definitely does hit the nail on the head. And it's such a good point that you bring up about the facilities, like, especially coming from a place like Indiana, where you're a number one team in the country. And a lot of mm-hmm. players don't get that, you know, understand that idea of, you know, okay, you just finished up college and now you're going to go and play for some, you know, second division team in Sweden or third division in wherever. And you're like, wait a second, this is, this is not the same. Cause I, I was even victim to it too. And I played more in my overseas times. I played more in like the lower leagues trying to work my way up. And, you know, I even went to a small school, but you have, you know, you have facilities, you have locker rooms, you have a training room, you have a gym, you have all of this. And then you go and overseas and it's like, yeah, you have a pitch and you have a sort of locker room, but that's about it. You're like, wait, yeah. I thought this was supposed to be pro. <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a big difference, but like the, the thing is you got to understand is the, the money is going to the players. Yeah. Players are getting paid when you're playing professional. So, so the money that you would have for a, for a soccer program in Indiana, the players aren't getting paid there. So now you can spend money on facilities or you can spend these monies on, uh, nice practice kits and boots and these things mm-hmm. where, now you're playing over here. They only have so much money and they have to pay players. Like sometimes you got to, you got to, they cut costs somewhere. And it is, it is very different than I think what I was expecting when I was in college or when I was young thinking about playing professional, but I don't know. Um, I never, when I was young, I was never thinking about like, oh, I want to be a pro so I can get this nice car and this nice house. Like it was, yeah. For me, it was, you know, and I'm so lucky that it was this way, that it was never about that for me. So, yeah. So to then have that, that phone call come from St. Louis for you to get that trial after all the work that you'd put in, I'm sure must have been just probably relief more than anything to know that, okay, like I'm not out of it and I, I still have my opportunity. And then, like you said, just knowing for you that it wasn't about, signing for the biggest club, signing a huge contract, getting the car, getting whatever. It was just about, I just want another opportunity to go and kick this ball around. Like what was the emotions leading up into the trial? How did the trial go? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, the trial, you know, I had two months, three months of a buildup for it. So then I was just kind of, I need to be, it's hard to stay in shape, <laughs> you know, like it's hard to be at that point then it had, so the trials in October, it had been almost a year since I'd played a game. So, yeah. um, that's a long time. Um, so then it was just, I was freaking out about being in good enough shape. So I was really working on my, making sure I was running, doing all these things. Um, and then I went, I went into the tryout and I went, I wasn't nervous. Like it wasn't a, uh, 
I was freaking out. It was not like I was freaking out or anything like that, but I was just, I felt, I felt prepared. I felt ready. Um, I went into the tryout. It's not like I played spectacular, but I, I did, I did well. And, um, you know, I showed, I showed what I could do. And then, you know, they didn't, they don't, they didn't tell me right away. Then it was hanging around back at Indiana for another week or two. And I was at my, I remember I was like at my girlfriend at the time I was staying, I was like at her place. And then I got a call from my agent that was like, yeah, St. Louis is offering you a contract. And it was just like the biggest, like relief joy like one of the oh man like top one of, the, of the your best. life probably so far yeah oh my god oh my god and I was in this like bogus apartment <laughs> and it, it's not it's not like it was like a good contract like money money wise but yeah. it was it was it was unbelievable like it was yeah and I was, well that was the best so then it was yeah then it was finally like I got a team like finally someone's going to take me and then it was just all like waiting for preseason and uh, wanting to get it going and all that and then that's kind of like how the professional stuff started going yeah so then that's your first season as a pro what was talk give me some of the highs and some of the lows I mean obviously the first huge high is just signing that contract then getting there and, and being a part of it how did that season mm-hmm. go for you? What was your adjustment like to the professional game and, and maybe the USL? Like, what was that standard like? What was that that first season like for you? So going into the USL, like, and that, at this point, you know, I was just pumped to be on any team. Mm-hmm. So I was ready for any role. Like, I didn't even, I didn't even care. I just want to contribute. I just wanted to get things rolling, essentially. Um so then, you know, it gets we get through preseason, it gets to the game. Um, and at the beginning, I wasn't a starter, you know, but I was always coming off the bench, and I was either playing right back or defensive mid. You know, I'm, I'm a I'm a center midfielder naturally. Yep. Um, but you know, I could play I could play essentially any position. Um, I could be a utility guy. So, um. As the season like progressing, I'm mostly playing right back, and I'm coming in like starting sometimes, but not really. But I'm usually playing pretty well. Um, and then there was like maybe halfway through the season, we we played Montreal and Toronto FC, and I was playing right back. And then our center midfielder got hurt or something like that. And they moved me to center mid and then I played well. And then it was just, then I played center mid the next game, played well. Um, and then it was just my spot from the rest of the season. Cause I was, I was doing well. Um, so the first season went great, you know, and I was, and the thing is that I was with my, one of my best friends from college is Patrick duty. And he signed homegrown for the Chicago fire and they loaned him to St. Louis. And then oh, on top so of that, one of the guys they play with him too. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, um, a guy that we grew up playing with, and it's actually Patrick's best friend. His name's Brian Shashulka. He was a really, really good college player. And he, oh, he was an all American college. Um, he only played one year 
professionally, but he was a great player, but he was on the team as well. And there was a player that was three years older than us because we all played at the Chicago Magic. Mm-hmm. There was a guy that was three years older than us, his name is Brian Gall, and he played at Chicago Magic and he was there as well. Like, so I knew some guys um, yeah. and we had a, we had a great, like it was a fun team and all that. Um, you know, we didn't make the playoffs and record wise, it wasn't, it wasn't the best from that standpoint. But I mean, for my first year, like, yeah, obviously I want to win. And that's what I've always done. But really it was about just like getting the ball rolling more than anything. And then like proving to myself that I could do this and could play. Um, So that's how, that's how it was. And it's a big difference. I remember, like, I remember as a college player thinking about USL and NASL and thinking that it was almost like, like a joke, to be honest almost really? like uh like the, like it wasn't going to be any good and it was like mls or or nothing like kind of thing <laughs> but then when you when i got there and started playing with you guys oh, these guys can ball like it's a it's a really good level man so um it's not to not to be slept on by any means no and because you got to think too all the types of players that are in that league are probably players similar to your type of story, right? Maybe they were right on the cusp of MLS and for whatever reason, like the chips just didn't fall their way. And now they find themselves in the USL. When you were playing in that USL level, you were around all those guys, was your motivation, was everyone's motivation kind of, all right, I want to come in. I want to do well at this level and, and prove myself so I can get back to that MLS where I, where I felt like I, I should have been from the start. Um, I would say you had a pretty good amount of, pretty good amount of the guys that were like that, where it was a lot of guys that were, this was their first chance at it essentially. And they thought they should have been at a higher level. So it was time to prove it. Mm-hmm. Then you had more veteran guys. Like we had guys that, uh, like Mike Ambersley was a NASL and USL legend. He ended up never playing in the MLS, but um, I think he played in the lower in the second division for 12 years and he has all these goal scoring records and he's a baller. Um, so he was, he was a veteran presence there. And then we had players like Brandon Barklage who was, had played in the MLS for six, seven years and he was coming to the end of his career. So you had kind of a, you had kind of a mix where it was, you had some players trying to progress and then some players who were like kind of coming down and mm-hmm. those kind of things. So you, you get, you get a mix on it in the USL level. Were you able to learn anything from those guys that were maybe played at that level and, and came down or were had years of experience at that level, especially for you, you know, being a rookie into that league? Yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, I'm a, I'll talk someone's head off, especially if I think they like older players or if they, if they, uh, I think they might know some, some things that'll help me out. So I was, I was always talking to Mike Ambersley, who was, like I said, had navigated the waters a lot. Um, I would talk to Brandon Barkledge a lot because we he played center midfielder as well and he was such a good dude. Um, so you know you yeah you, you pick their brains and a little bit about tactics, but a lot about like how you um you know manage with teams and how you deal with off seasons and you just I wasn't necessarily like straight up like how do you do this blah blah blah, but I would get them to tell me stories and then kind of take the information from there. Yeah, you know how do you and how do you how do you treat your body before, before and after practice to make sure that I can play when I'm in my thirties and I'm not, 
you know, having to retire when I'm 27, 28 years old. Um, so, you know, you, you learn a lot of those things from older players, which is, um, which I think is one of the, the benefits of players going professional when they're 18, as opposed to going to university team. And I'll talk about this is that if you, like, if I were to look at when I'm 18 and I'm going to college, the seat, like the players that I'm looking up to that I'm like, Oh, these are the, this is the standard are 21 year old college kids. Yeah. So, you know, um, and then if you're an 18 year old and you're going and you're playing professionally, like, Oh, for example, over here in Finland, like for my team, mm-hmm. the standard that you're looking up to when you're 17, 18 years old are going to be like people, you know, right around 30 or like we even have like a 37 year old who's been, who's been through it, who's made it, who, you know, they're pros. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a totally different thing that you can't, um, you can't put a value on it. Like just being around those people and seeing it firsthand as opposed to seeing a 20 or 21 year old as your, as your, as your like leader and all of those things. Yeah. It's, and it's interesting that same idea, you can kind of see it with some of the young national team players that we are starting to have in our team. You can see this level of maturity that is amongst them. You know, a lot of them are eight. Let's take a break to talk about support for the In the 11 podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 11 at manscaped.com. Now, if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, listen, here's the deal, gentlemen. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Now, I know we got a lot of ballers out here, right? We got a lot of coaches out here. A lot of you, I know in your sessions, in your games, you're constantly saying, you got to take care of the ball, but you're not taking care of your own. It's crazy. It's it's wild, and we got to change that here, and Manscaped's going to help you do that. So, First off, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is the future of men's below-the-waist grooming. And that is because of their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. It has a 400K LED spotlight, so no more going blind in the bathroom, getting hair all over the floor, right? Pop in the shower, you've got the light as well, easy, and you're done. On to the next one. Now, same goes for that Weed Whacker, the Manscaped Weed Whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming necessities. You've got the proprietary skin safe technology, which is going to help reduce with nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate, sensitive areas. Now, last but not least, we can't forget about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. A lot of you guys, I know you've got a routine with your recovery, right? You've got pregame rituals, you've got postgame rituals recovery routine that you do after right hop in an ice bath whatever it is you have to add your below the waist care to that you got to take care of your balls gentlemen you don't want to be playing 90 minutes and then you come in and you're sweaty and disgusting and you're not taking care of yourself you got you got to do it and manscaped like i said is here to help you in that department and who knows maybe that special someone that's in your life coming to the game watching you play you know you play a good 90 minutes maybe you bag a goal i don't know You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be in a situation where you are left without Manscaped. Now, just because Manscaped is hooking you up and they want to take care of you 
The Performance Package 4.0 has a couple of goodies thrown in there. They've got the Manscaped Boxer Briefs, and they threw in a little carry-on bag just to travel with all of your Manscaped products, whether you're going for an away game, right? It's a road trip, you're in a plane, whatever. Chuck all your Manscaped products in there. You don't have to think about it. You can forget about it and make sure that you're still taken care of. So it is time, gentlemen, because your balls will thank you. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping using the code 11. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code 11, E-L-E-V-E-N, at manscaped.com. That is 20 whole percent off of your order. 20% off your order with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code 11. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. 1920, but they handled themselves like a pro because that's who they've been around for years and years. You know, they've signed those Mm -hmm. contracts when they were 16, 17, and they had guys in the locker room who were in their 30s telling them what to do, what not to do. And, and it, yeah, it completely changes when your role model is a 21 year old who, yes, might be mature, but they also might still be partying on the weekends, like when they get a big win. Yep. And it's, it's a different mindset for that of a, a seasoned professional. Yeah, exactly. Spot on. So, did some of those conversations that you were having with those players lead you to starting to think about going overseas to Europe after that first season in the USL? Because you only had the one season with St. Louis, correct? At two. Okay, so, two. So I had my, my contract was like a, your, your classic one plus one, which you'll see everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who's about to be a professional, anybody who's looking to be a professional, you're not going to sign that five-year deal. Most likely you're going to get a nice <laughs> one plus one at best. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, they picked up my option and I was coming back for my second year and you know, it was my mindset going into that off season. I was actually going to be, I was the grad assistant at St. Louis university as well okay. in that off season. Yeah. Why did you decide so, to do that at the same time just to give you something else to do or. Um, Cause I'll be, I'll be a coach when I'm done playing. And I've kind of known this since, I mean, I've been coaching since I was 18. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was, I was in the area and my brother is, so my brother's the assistant coach at DePaul right now but he's been working um, in the Chicago area. So he would do a lot of recruiting and he was talking to Mike McGinty, who was the head coach at St. Louis university at the time. And they just got to talking. And my brother was like, yeah, he, my, my brother. So me would yeah. be great for the, for the role, all these things. And then he talked to me, it was during my off season and it just kind of, it all made sense. But while I was doing that, it was kind of, I was like, man, this is the like this is going to be the season that can make me take off because now I've got my, you know, I had my first season where I was like getting back into the swing of things because, yep. you know, after a year of not playing, you you get rusty. But then now I I had my season of playing. Now this is my second year. I'm going to ball out. So then this whole off season, I was like, I was killing it in the in the weight room and like I was so fit. I changed my diet, all of these things. Um, so then I came in. I came into that off season just like on fire, like ready to absolutely roll. Um, but then things don't work out the way you want them always. <laughs> and, Later, and, bro, yeah. Know, the, yeah. And the coach, the coach had different things in mind as the season progressed, which I mean, 
I don't agree with obviously because it was me, but I think um, even if I were to like look back, cause I can pretty comfortably look back at some situations and be like, okay, maybe I didn't deserve some playing time there. Like I was messing up there, blah, blah, blah. That, I think I should have gotten more playing time than I was. Um, I was playing in every game, but I was always coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, I played, I played seven different positions that year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And one of the, I think I had to have led the all time USL in this. I came in, I came into games. So if I came in for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. there was five games where I played three positions in those, well, after in those 20 played. minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. <laughs> I have to, I have to have the record for it, but, but it, um, at the, the thing is though, like that I've, I've always looked back and thought about this. And after the seasons, I let it get to my head so much, man. Like it was, and it was one of those things where, you know, now that I've gotten older and I'm starting to like really focus on like, how can you can, you can only really focus on the things that you can control basically. Absolutely. And if you're start, if you start focusing on like your playing time, obviously you're going to get upset when you don't play and all of those things. And if you're not playing the position you want and all blah, blah. But if you let it like bog you down, it's like, it just amplifies the situation. You start playing like trash and then it becomes a reason why you weren't playing. And that's what was going on with me. Like, I was such a good player and I was fit and I was ready to roll. But the thing is like, I would not get the playing time it deserved. And then I would just think about it all day and, you know, and then it would carry over into practice. And then like, it would be some drill where like somebody would get a penny and I wouldn't get a penny. And I'd be like, Oh crap, that's the starters. And then it's not like I, I, I'm always, I always give 1000% practice. Like I'll always, like, there was never a moment where I was like, start walking around or not working, but then you're not focusing on playing. You're yeah. focusing on why am I not playing? Or like, why is, why does that guy have a green penny and I have an orange penny? Like those yeah. little head games that you're playing with yourself. Um, you know, and then that's, that, that contributes to, I think when I look back at it, why I wasn't getting the playing time I thought. And then there were the, like, there was, I remember there was one game where I got subbed in at halftime and it was, you know, we hadn't, our team hadn't been playing well. And it was essentially like, this was my, this was my shot to, if I played well, I was probably going to get some starts and all of these things. And that week in training, I wasn't very good. And I had been beating myself up. And then in the game, I didn't play up to my standard. And then, you know, that was my opportunity that was, and it blew it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how the, the second year goes and um as as the season kept going it was i knew i wanted to leave st louis um and then the more i thought about it i was like you know i've i've lived essentially in the same area of the united states my entire life like being like right in the midwest you know and i did i didn't like I didn't like how my game was. I didn't think I had progressed enough that year. Um, I didn't like how I was like as a person, like, uh, like my personality and all these things. I knew I needed like a big change, you know? So then I had heard, I knew about, there's this program. It's called the bridges program that gets run out of Chicago. Okay. And they, they get players like they, they form a team and then they bring them over to Norway, Finland, Sweden, and then the lower leagues in the United States. And they try to get these players signed. It's for players that don't have contracts. 
so I knew about this program because of um, the it's in the Chicago area. So I was like, oh, I'll just I'll talk to the agent that deals with them. So I contacted the agent and I was like, hey, I want to go over and play in um, Sweden, Denmark, you know that area. Yeah, Finland. So then he was like, yeah, okay, like um, got rid of my old agent, hired this agent. Um, so then it was just the season ended in St. Louis and then it was just kind of, I had torn my meniscus right at the end of the season. It's pretty, it was pretty, yeah, I've, I've done, I did, I did it in college as well when we won the national championship. So <laughs> that was, that's a whole other, that's a whole other story. But, um, <laughs> that was crazy. But yeah, so I, so I was dealing with that and I had to rehab it and then it was just kind of as soon as that got done then i was gonna um go on trials in in scandinavia mm -hmm. um, so my girlfriend at the time her dad was the athletic trainer at my university so for my rehab i just went and stayed with them he helped me with my knee and then i was um he was like yeah you can stay here as long as you need to to train at the university so that you're ready for when you go on trial with a thought process of being like, yeah, um, in January, I'm out of here. So I get healthy. Then January comes, nothing. Then February comes, nothing. And, you know, and I, as it, and I am doing just, I'm, but I'm like ready. Mm. Like when it, like I was doing some sick workouts like I was I was ready to roll like at any time if someone was like hey it's tryout time I could have busted in 90 minutes no issues so then like March hits nothing and then like you know I'm I'm staying in my girlfriend's parents basement so it's like this it's like flashbacks you know, when, you're, when, you're, when you're waiting for the St. Louis trial. Yeah, man, it was it was it was ridiculous, and it was kind of like, you know, the the first year coming out of college, most of the excuses that like teams have were like, oh, well, he doesn't have any professional experience. Yeah, things like that, which I kind of understand, but at the same time, like, how are you supposed to get prof professional experience if? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like it any happens. job, you know, like people it's an entry level yeah. job, but they want two to five years of experience. Like it doesn't make sense. But it's yeah, the same yeah. I guess applies to the soccer world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I which I kind of understand, but at the same time, like some of the guys who were getting trials, it it didn't make sense. But okay, but moving moving on, then it was you know, when I was when I would be talking to my agent, he had a team in fourth tier and we want to bring you in and they're like okay, okay and then all of a sudden like ah oh, it fell through or like a team in the fourth tier in finland wants to bring you in all oh, fell through all oh, this team in third tier blah blah everything just kept falling through mm -hmm. and and I, I i remember there was it was a team in way northern finland that was in the fourth tier in finland and it seemed like they like the way it sounded from my agent was like for sure they'll bring me in and then they didn't. And I remember just like, you know, and then at that, like, what is going on? Like now I have two years professional experience. I remember sitting there just like freaking out. I'm, 
it was it was such deja vu because it was i'm in i'm in this basement yep. i'm alone i just got told again that i like these teams won't take me and i'm just like having a meltdown um so then like another no then i hit the end of march and i'm i'm sitting there and then my girlfriend comes up breaks up with me so now i don't have a place to stay oh, i don't have a team gosh. i have no money <laughs> perfect so, storm so I, yeah 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 so then i drive home so that, now i'm going back to champagne um, so i'm driving home and then like talking to my mom and all these things and she's like what are you gonna do and i was like Pfft. i don't know like i i had no clue and then it was two days went by and i was back home and then my agent called me he goes okay there's a team in the fourth tier in sweden they're going to bring you in. Like they will bring you in on trial. They just told me. And I remember just being like, okay, what airport am I flying into? And then it was like, he tells me like, okay, it's up in the, um, it's on the border of Norway and Sweden. It's up in these mountains. Um, Nord Varmland is the club. Um, so then I was like, yeah, I don't even care. I'm done. Boom, wow. booked the ticket. But packed everything, packed my life with me. Like I, pa- I, I brought everything with me. So I get into, get into Sweden, um, get to the club, you know, and we, it was, the town had 200 people in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The town had 200 people in it. And it was like this, uh, it was a ski resort basically because like the owner of the team owned a bunch of ski resorts. It was a thing. So. Then I was like, okay, well, I'll go on trial, go on trial for the week, play my game, play well in the game. They offer me a contract. So I'm like, oh, like, thank God this crap is over. I call my agent and he was like, he was like, yeah, before you sign it, you got to realize that um, in the fourth year in Sweden, it's not technically professional. So you're, you'll be on a traveler's visa when that goes up in two months if it doesn't get renewed, they get, you get deported. Like that's been happened to, I know some people who has happened to in mm-hmm. Sweden. He goes, and there's now that you're over here, like there's a team in the third tier in Finland that'll bring you in. And I was like on trial or are they going to offer me a contract? He's like on trial. And I was just like, well, am I going to make the team? And he's like, if you play well, you're going to make the team. And I was like, let me check my bank account. <laughs> and, and it was like up a, getting to from like from Sweden to into Helsinki was going to be like less than 100 euros or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I had like just like at 100 euros. And I was like, screw wow. it. Let's roll. <laughs> Boom. Packed my stuff, went. And then that's how like everything in, in Finland got going, which was, yeah. Man. So what was that trial experience like? I know you talked about the Sweden one went well. Do you have any, because I always feel like players have one or two trial experiences that are like crazy or good stories. You know, do you have any, any like that? Or were they pretty, pretty smooth sailing for you? All my trials have been pretty, pretty smooth. Like nothing bad's ever happened. Like there's been like, like my first one in Sweden, like I didn't sleep the night before the game because of all the jet lag. Mm-hmm. So that was a nightmare. I, we went, um, so we warmed up in one place and then we got dressed and then we had a 10 minute 
um, ride to the game, and I slept from the, from the <laughs> warm up to the. And then it, yeah, so maybe that was the secret to playing well in that game. Yeah. But, um, I was like, no, Coach, you sure this this is the guy you wanted to bring in, the one who's sleeping as you're yeah. about to come play? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so then in in Finland, it was you know I first come in, and it's a, it's another small town, but there's more than 200 people, but it's a really small town still. So. Um, and then it was I trained for three four days, something like that, mm-hmm. playing fine. And then had a game on Saturday, like that Saturday, played really well in the game. And then right after it, they're like, they came up to me and they're like, yeah, we're going to offer you a contract. And I was just like, let's roll. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and so, yeah, then it wasn't ideal by any means because it was like, I was staying in a language school. They didn't even give me, because like usually when you, um, when you'll sign a contract, it'll be like, You'll get, especially in the lower leagues, you'll get um, this amount of money in apartment and some food or something like that. Because they they have to, you have to, as a foreign player in Finland, you have to make a certain amount of money. Um, But then, like, the money can come from food and other, like, Uh, for example, like, because I was, because I was staying, because I was staying in a language school, they added um, my language courses as like a oh, part salary. of the salary package. Okay. Yeah. So when I signed it, it was like 500 euros in a part, like a thing in the language school and like food. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like I have a $250 car payment back home and I have to pay taxes. <laughs> like what, how am I, but then I was just like, Screw it, like it doesn't matter. Like yeah. I'll fit. Like this is this is what I need to do. Like you know, I'm, I came over. I, I want. I really wanted to come over to to Europe because you can just get so trapped in the USL. It's so hard to get to the MLS because um, there's no promotion relegation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was I was thinking like if I come over to Finland or Sweden, like. Finish is going to be about like, can I ball out? Can my team get promoted? And I want to play in the top league. Like that's what I that's what I wanted to do. Like, so then you know, I was like, whatever. This is just going to be my this is going to be my year where I'm just going to play well. And I didn't know anything about third tier, or second tier, like level wise or first or whatever. So I was like, let's just let's roll and let's see how the season goes, kind of thing. Yeah. So when you went over to Finland, because I'm here or went over to Europe for your first time, I'm curious about a lot of players, different mindset about this is I think some treat it as like, okay, I'm going, you know, for this contract and almost like when you go away to college, right? Like you're going to college, but you still live back in the States. Like when you were going to Europe, were you kind of in the mindset of like, all right, I'm moving to Europe. Like my life is now in Europe. Or were you still a little bit in the beginning of like, okay, I'm going to play here, but I'm still live in the States. Like, cause now that you've been in Finland for a couple of years, it seems like you were ready to make that transition of I'm here. I'm ready to build my career here and I'm ready to, you know, live in Finland. Yeah. I've, I've, I had thought about that. I didn't think about it at the time, but when I've like reflected on all of these things, like a couple of years ago, cause now I've been over here five years. Well, this is my fifth year. A couple wow. years ago, I was like, yeah, I was, I was like reflecting on the whole, that whole situation. And a lot of guys, when I would talk to them, 
they would talk about like, yeah, I just packed my bag with the essentials. Like some guys will only bring like, you know, the toothpaste, underwear, a couple of changes of clothes, all those things. I packed my life. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I had two bags that were overweight at the airport. <laughs> I had, so I had, I had, I had two bags that were overweight at the airport. I had one bag that was so stuffed, like it would barely even zip. That was my backpack. I had another like duffel bag and like I was, I packed my life with me and brought it. So that was like, when I look back and I was like, Oh, like, damn, like I was, you're ready. Yeah. I, yeah, I was, I was ready to roll. Like there was no, there was no going back for whatever reason. I was thinking like, this is it. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like it was, I was sure it was going to work. Yeah. In those first couple of years, I'm sure now it's become much easier now that you're super accustomed to the culture and the country and the football and everything. In those first couple of years, was it, were there difficulties that you faced that were way different than when you were playing over in the USL? Like, you know, now you're adding also farther away from family and things like that. What was your, that first season like for you signing that third division? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to miss your family, like, but I didn't have too many difficulties because everyone spoke English for the most part. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like, you have 20 built-in friends, you know, on your team. And I'm a a pretty social guy, so, like, I'll I'll talk people up and get get them to hang out with me and all of those things. Um, You know, in, in Finland, they're a little more reserved a lot more reserved than Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of difficulty on that end, but like I was lucky where um, the club was great. You know, I was a good player there. So obviously they're going to help you out a little bit more. Um, and then the, the, it was like I was saying, I was staying at a language school. Like I wasn't at an apartment. So I would go to my Finnish classes and not learn a damn thing because the language is impossible. <laughs> and then, Oh my God, this language. So hard. Um, Five years later, crazy. where are you at with it? <laughs> Can't hold a conversation. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yes, but it was crazy. Cause then I was living with, I was, I would eat breakfast every morning with a guy from Afghanistan, like sitting across from me. And then I would, you know, be hanging out with people from like all over Africa, all over Europe, like people from Asia, all these things. So I was meeting all these people where like, where I'm from in America, like if someone was like, yeah, I'm Italian, that means their great grandparents were born in Italy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're not really Italian. So So now I'm actually experiencing like, you know, and I was so interested. So I was making, I was making friends and I was, I was fine. I didn't get, I didn't get too lonely or anything like that. Um, and then obviously when I'm having, I'm having success on the field, and I'm feeling like I'm progressing. It makes it, it makes it all that much easier as well. So, um, yeah, it was, there wasn't too much of a culture shock for me. It was just kind of like, this is, this is what I'm doing now. Like, and I'm going to adapt. Yeah. And so you adapted well and played well that first season. And then, so you've played now for three clubs in Finland, correct? Mm-hmm. Was it after that first season when you made the, the jump to a new club based off your performances? Yeah, so the first the first year went well. We we almost promoted. Like if we would have won our last game, we would have gone to the like promotion. Um, because there's four groups mm-hmm. in 
Yeah, so if we we would have won our group and then gone into it, but we end up losing to the worst team in the league. Oh. Still haunts me this day. <laughs> yeah. So, but so um, our team had like the the rival club was ten minutes from from us, um, and in Finland the the third tier and the second tier there's one more month that the second tier plays. So when our season ended, I was like, I'm not going to go home. Um, I called my agent. I was like, can you ask them? The club's called AIF, E-I-F. Like, can you call them and see if I can go train with them? He's like, yeah. So call them. They're like, yeah, you can go train with them. So went there, um, trained with them for the last like two or three weeks, did well. Then they, the off season, the off season is coming and they invite me to come back on trial with them in January. And then there was also Haka, who I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. They wanted, they wanted to bring me in. And so I'm looking, I'm looking at the two teams and I was like, well, Haka is traditionally like won all of these championships. You know, they finished higher than eighth because eighth had like really small amount of money and the highest they'd ever finished was the spot above relegation. Okay. So I was like, I want to go to Haka. So tell my agent that because they, they had offered me to come on trial there. So then like a few days go by and my agent still hadn't heard anything from him. I was like, what is going on? And he keeps like, like, I don't know what they were doing. And then I was like, I can't, I'm not do. I'm not doing this again. Yeah. I'm going to put <laughs> PTSD put me, I'm, first two times. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to eighth. like screw this. Like I'm not putting up with this. So then like when I, and it was the biggest, oh my God, biggest blessing in disguise, man. Cause I go to, I go to eighth and they had got a new coach that was a Spanish guy and he was just fantastic. And you know, like growing up playing in America, like especially the way I was coached growing up, man, it's like, there, obviously the coaches were doing the best of what they were doing and they were the best of what was going around, but I didn't even learn about like playing between the lines or, you know, like how to actually build from the back and different movements and all these things. And mm -hmm. this guy was from, from Barcelona. He had a UEFA pro license, you know, and I go and trial there and I make the, make the team, they offer me a contract. And then, um, you know, and he, he taught me so much that year. That was crazy. Like it opened my eyes to so many, it made me such a better player. And the thing is, so like I said, like the club was small club, only a spot above relegation. And then like our team was filled with, it was like seven players were playing in the third tier the year before. And then it was like a couple players that were like from the town. And then there was like yeah. um, a couple guys sprinkled in that were from, from other places. And we just tore it up. We were killing it. We were with like a, with six games left, we were in first place. Like, so we were like, Holy crap, we're going to, we might be promoted. We might get here. promoted. <laughs> yeah. And I was, and I was playing great. Um, you know, there's so many of us, so many of us had like so many, if you look at some of the players that were on the team now, like most of them are playing in the top league now or 
had gotten big contracts like the year after this and all, all of this. Um, so, you know, we, we end up finishing third. Like we kind of, I wouldn't say choked on the end of the season, but we kind of choked mm-hmm. a little bit. We, we lost We lost some big games. Um, so then that was, you know, I had, I had played really well and I was, I was like a top league team's for sure going to take it. Like no doubt. Like I just killed it. Um, so I had only signed a one year deal at, at a, um, so then I was, went back home and then it was just kind of, I was in a much better mental space going into yeah. this off season. Cause I, cause I was, because I was like, um, you know, the worst case scenario for me is going back to eighth, which the year before was my best case scenario. Yeah. So how so, far you've come in that one year is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, if if I when I put it in perspective like that, I was like, okay, that's a that's a that's a great year. If if your worst case scenario is now what used to be your best case scenario, like that's fantastic. So, um, I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for a team in the top league to bring me in on trial or whatever. And it just keeps being like, no, no, nobody's biting at it basically. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what the hell. Um, but then my agent calls me. He was like, yeah, um, Haka wants to, is offering you a contract, like not even bringing you on trial. And they're offering you a contract. And it was a nice contract. And they're, but they're in um, the second tier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Okay. Um, and he was like, you know, but they, they called me and they said they're, they're looking to promote and like, you're the kind of player that they want. Like, uh, the coach really wants you basically. Okay. 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 So then I was like, okay, let me, let me call him and talk to him. So then I called him, the coach. Um, and I was like, okay, what are the, what's the team goal? Like, where are the team goals? And he goes, well, we have an anniversary coming up the next year. So, like, if we don't promote, it's a failed season. I was like, okay, then I'll sign. And that's how the conversation went. And then I signed because, like, like the goals, they're aligned with what I wanted to do. Yeah, get to the top um, league. Yeah. So then it was um, – then I went in in January. So then that was, you know, now this is my second year in the second division. Um or, you know, yeah, in the second tier. Um, and then it was, you know, after three months, I got named captain here. You know, when I moved in, um, you know, and I was, and I had been, I was captain at eighth as well after about like in like May or June or something like that. So I was, I was used to the leadership position, but it was still like a, it was a pretty big shock after it was so quick and it was like, uh, mm-hmm. so you weren't really, you're expecting. the guy. No, no. Interesting. Like I was, yeah. Like it was cause you know, we had, there was a lot of established guys on the team. Um, and you know, I came in and like, obviously I was, I was going to be a pretty like, uh, in training, I was a louder and more like I was, I'm a that like pretty good leader. Like, um, all of those things and pretty commanding. And um, in one of the, one of the preseason games, they, I was like, when we went in for the lineup, I was the captain. I was like, Oh crap. But it was before I got named. And then it was like, um, 
right before the season, the coach texted me and he was basically like, Hey, it would be, I just wanted to ask if you would, if you would be the captain, I understand if you turn it down because you're new to the team and you're a foreigner, but like, I think this is a special circumstance, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I was, I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. I think, I, I think I'd be great at the job. Um, yeah. And then that, that ended up being like that season was ridiculous. Like we, we stomped the league. We, we didn't lose a game until we won the league. Wow. Yeah, we, we won 15 straight games, and that's when we got promoted. What was that run of form like to just, like, did you feel like you could put a foot wrong in those 15 games almost? No, no. <laughs> like, like, you would, uh, yeah, we'd be, because even, like, when we would play bad, you know, that's always like the, the standard, yeah. like, uh, what people talk about, like, the trade, team. like, yeah. Yeah. Like, even when they play bad, they win. Like, we would be down one zero. And the thing is, there was, like, you have that, like, you have that confidence about you because there's, like, you know, there's the, they have this, uh, I, I read this quote from Tim Grover, who, if you, if you know him, like, the guy who wrote Relentless, all yep. that, he's, he always says that, uh, confidence is the ultimate drug, winning is the only dealer. And it's so <laughs> damn true. It's so damn true because like when we were, when we had won a few games, then all the, you know, chess is puffed out. Like we would go down a goal and it was just, it's fine. Don't worry. We'll score three. Yeah. We'll score three. So then, yeah. So then it was, um, yeah, we had 15 straight wins and then like getting promoted where it was like, um, man, like when we won that, that final game and it was like, it was sealed up though. I was going to the top league and it was just like, all like the, you know, leaving my family and um, the, the crap apartments and the, you know, looking back even at the U.S., like sleeping on friends' couches and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Then it was kind of like, it was just like, like it was incredible. It was, it was, it was an unbelievable feeling that was like, finally, now I'm going to be playing in the top league um, over in Europe and I'll be, be the captain there. Like, it yeah, was, it was and crazy. to do it by winning promotion with the team you know that you were captain of that's not like there's a bit of extra specialness to that that I think you could probably cherish versus you know just performing well and then you go on trial with a team in the top flight 100% where it's like you know it's a it's another one of those things where I'll look back where it's like another blessing in disguise where it's like um you know it would have been it would have been cool obviously if a team in the top league signed me after playing well at eighth um but like doing it myself or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Not exactly, myself, my yeah. team was there. But being being on the team that, that won it and promoted and like, I did this crap. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that someone offered me a contract and that's how I did it. It was that I was at this level and then I killed myself and got to here. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, that, yeah, that's dope. Yeah, everything, everything that you put into it paid off in that, in that moment. Do you feel mm. it's, it's such a hard thing to compare, I imagine, but what would you say from first contract, that first contract with St. Louis moment or that promotion moment? Like, is there a comparison between the two emotion wise? Like you're going like so far, one of the highest points of your career. Um, I would say the, the two, it, it was two kind of different things where like the first contract, <clears throat> I would say there was more, more relief that was in it. Like it was definitely really happy. Mm-hmm. 
But I, was, I think it was more relief because it was like, um, you know, finally kind of thing. Like a, uh, you know, I'd always, I had always thought I was going to be a pro ever. Like all my friends thought that I was going to be a pro. And then where it didn't happen, then all of a sudden, like this thing that used to be um, what everybody kind of knew me for. And to in a sense, yeah, I, I have a, I'm a friendly guy, but it's also at the time when you're really good at a sport, like people will like you for it. Like when I went to the United, like when I went to high school, people already knew who I was mm. because I was good at soccer, you know? And then all of a sudden, then it became this thing where it got to the point where like my friends are making fun of me, you know, about really? not being on a team or those kinds of things. So then like, you know, it goes, soccer had become this thing that was always like, you know, so attached to my identity. Mm-hmm. and all these things and then all of a sudden it became a thing where it was I felt like a joke man so but so then like finally when I got the contract then it was it was such a relief that um you know I may, I get you know I shouldn't have been feeling those ways necessarily because I don't think it's true I don't think that's why my friends like me but that's how I was feeling you know um so that was more of a relief where getting promoted that was like so much work that I had put in for years and years and years, you know, let alone from when I was like five, six years old, but like just as a, from the, from when college ended, mm-hmm. like, and it made, it made all of those things worth it basically. And it was, that was, that was awesome. That was such an amazing feeling. And it was, uh, yeah. That, yeah. I remember like we, we won the game. And then, like, the team went into the locker room and celebrating for a little bit. And I had to just, like, stay outside for a little bit and just sit there and take it all in. Yeah. Yeah, for a little bit and just. Cause it was amazing. Man, I can't even imagine. I'm sure. So now, now we're basically caught up to today. And, and how is the, the season going currently? And, you know, how are you doing personally with the club? And give us the. Give us the status. Well, yeah, we had it. We had so last year was actually the first year in the top league, um, and that was that was you know we went from stomping everybody, but now you're now we're actually playing with in the top league. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up being in a relegation battle, but we we stuck it out basically and um, stayed promoted or not stayed promoted, stayed, stayed in the top stayed league. Up, yeah, yeah, stayed up. Um, you know, and then this year coming in, there was more expectations. We signed in some good players and all of those things. Um, you know, and we've had we're, – we're much better than last year, but we're still we're still in the bottom half of the table currently right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's – players are good, man. Like, the, 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 mar- the margins are small on what you can mess up on and – you know, you got to take advantage of other people's mistakes and all those things. So, um, but we still have about 11 games left. So right now we are seven points clear of relegation, like for sure. Like, uh, cause the bottom team gets relegated. Okay. Se- second to bottom goes into a promotion playoff with the team who finishes second in the second tier. Um, so we are four points clear of that. And then we are five points back on getting into the top half. So 
Um, there's still there's still plenty to play for in the season, obviously, if you have this many games left. Um, but, you know, we, we had won. We lost our last game, which was a bummer at home, but we had won the previous two. So, you know, we're starting to play a bit better and yeah, I things, some things will keep rolling. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I guess we can end on, on this one. I don't want to take too much of your time. I'm sure you got to get off to sleep soon to, to train in the morning. But, um, and, and maybe right now it's not something that you're thinking about as much because you're super hyper-focused on this one season with the, with the club and, and doing the best you can. But have you thought about kind of your career as a whole? Like, do you feel like I want to continue to, to build off what I've done in Finland? Or is there still maybe that sense of wanting to come and play in the States again at some point? Or, you know, where do you feel like you're at in terms of personally with your career? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see how, we'll see how things shake out here at the end of this year and everything. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I want to do, I want to do one more year in Finland. This is, this is ideal world, but you know, and with this job, you ain't get your ideal world very much. Yeah. So sometimes so we'll get see, what's so given we'll to you, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we'll see, but ideal world, I'll be back in Finland next year because now I'll qualify. Um, I've done enough games that I can do uh, my B B license for UEFA B for coaching. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. They have like a, I forget what the program is. It's basically for players who have played in the top league for a certain amount of games and seasons. Um, and then it's an accelerated course that mm-hmm. gets you your, a very good coaching license. So um, I'd like to be back in Finland next year so I can play and do that. And then I'd really like to finish up playing in America Um you know, you know, more than likely be in the USL because the MLS, that level is like, you gotta be killing it, making them MLS. Um, so yeah, that's hopefully, hopefully in the next couple of years, I'll be able to come back and play in front of my parents, play in front of my family and how the season can end up, your career end up. Yeah. Has your family ever got to come out to Finland and see you play? My my mom has come in twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's been she's been both years that I was playing in the in the second tier for both clubs. Um, okay. But then last year because of COVID, and then this year is still tricky. So we'll see. Yeah, gotcha. I'm sure that was a cool experience to have them come out and see you see you play there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm trying to next year the the family's talking about getting the the full squad. Like my I have two. I have my brother and sister and I have a bunch of nephews now and mom and dad, all of them coming next year. Cause it's only been my mom so far. So okay. Um, hopefully, hopefully I'll be back in Finland. They can, that'd be, that'd be a great way to, to cap it off. But you know, we'll have to, we'll have to see how everything goes. You know, everything changes year by year. So who knows how I'll be feeling next year. Maybe I'll want to stay again, but um, yeah, that's the, that's the plan right now. Awesome. Well, I wish you all the best with the rest of the season and with everything going forward. And I uh, appreciate you coming on today, man, and, and taking some time out for it. It was a, a great conversation, and I really enjoyed it. I hope the listeners did as well. No problem, man. Hey, thanks for having me on it. Uh, anytime you have, want to have me on again, like uh, no issues from my part. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do it again soon. We'll, we'll do a part two, maybe talk about the rest of the season yeah, and, and any other stories you got for us. But thank you so much, my friend. No problem. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. See you, man.